Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2350. Do you like shopping for cars? You like finding cool cars? You like making it easy and doing it online? Then you're going to love today's guest. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Guess where I am today? I'm back at home in La Jolla, California, with a very special guest by the name of Kenan Rolson. Kenan, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir, I am. I'm ready to go. All right, we'll have some fun here. Actually, what we should do since we're in La Jolla, we should just go down to the beach, grab some boards, catch some waves, get some sunshine, because the May gray and the June gloom I hear is gone uh, down here in La Jolla. But we're going to be talking about cars today. And before I introduce you and we talk about this business you're involved in, what's one little thing that people don't know about you, Kenan? Absolutely. Well, before we head down to the uh, to the La Jolla Shores to grab a beer and hang out, uh, one thing people don't know about me, although my life very much centers around cars, I am obsessed with a lot of different areas. I have a lot of interests. And one of those big ones for me is music. Uh, I'm a cellist. I've played the cello for the last 18 years. And I've been fortunate enough to have performed uh, internationally and competed in many national orchestra competitions in my youth. Um, I've even had the pleasure of performing at Lincoln Center. Uh, the fun story there is I actually got bumped. I was supposed to perform at Carnegie Hall, but the Vienna Philharmonic uh, had a scheduling conflict and they were in town at the same time. So I was relegated to Lincoln Center. So not a bad consolation prize, but a, a consolation prize nonetheless. Wow. Well, that's impressive. You know, I've had a, what I would call an abnormal number of guests on my show that are musicians, were past musicians, had bands, played in things. And you can see I've got <laughs> hanging on my wall a uh, Fender Strat. Yeah, I grew up playing the guitar. So, uh, but I never got to Carnegie Hall or Lincoln Center. Center, so uh, you got me beat on that one for sure. Well, I have to say, playing guitar is a lot cooler than playing the cello, and I can <laughs> say that as a lifelong cellist. But it's it's all great, you know. Music and cars do go together. Maybe it's something about the the engine music, as a, as a Ferrari uh, might might say. But yeah, there's some something about that that definitely goes together. I think also the instruments, they're works of art. They're very beautiful and fluid. I even had a gentleman from Australia on my show that took he built guitars that looked like old cars so he would take the fins off of an old chevy or uh be a ritz cadillac and design it into the body of the guitar i mean incredible stuff so yeah pretty pretty cool but i think all of us car guys kind of like things that look interesting a lot of collectors are into watches mm -hmm. guns uh hand fine handmade uh british shotguns let's say things like that so uh yeah I kind of understand that, and that makes sense. Well, let me introduce you because you're involved in a pretty cool business that uh, is really moving on up in the world today, a new way, maybe not so new, but kind of new way to buy cars. Uh, Kenan Rolson is the managing editor of Cars and Bids. It's an online auction platform where people can buy or sell unique, enthusiast-focused vehicles. As the managing editor... He's responsible for all the written content across the digital platform. And I understand he gets to see the cars when they first come in, too. So I'm guessing his wallet gets a little light with all the stuff that he wants to buy. <laughs> uh, his team of riders provides a user-friendly interface, a transparent bidding process, and extensive vehicle 
information to create an enjoyable experience for both the buyers and the sellers. Yeah, you've cost me a lot of hours uh, sitting and scrolling through your site. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kenan has overseen over 13,000 listings for cars and bids, having been with the company since its inception. And he has previously worked as a content and marketing consultant for other automotive brands. So he's in the sector. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, a word from our kind sponsor. So give them a little love. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts. For you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Ken, we are back. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got involved with cars and bids because your platform is really cool. I was playing around on it. And we'll get into some of the details on it, but there's so many different ways you can buy and look for cars. you got all these different categories. You make it really simple, really clean, but how would you get involved in this company? It's a, it's a great question, Mark. So it's kind of an unusual story. Um, it started... Uh, with my relationship with Doug DeMuro, our, our founder and the YouTube personality. Um, he and I had been friends for a while. And when I had met him, you know, one of, or started to get to know him more, he asked me a, a simple question. He said, you know, what do you want to do with your career? Uh, at that time, I was working for an exotic car dealership, doing marketing for them uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I had a lot of fun with that. You talk about getting to play with a lot of cool cars. I got to play with a lot of cool cars. It was, it was so much fun. But 
I wanted to grow my career more in the automotive field. And so he asked me what I wanted to do. And at that time, I had targeted that I wanted to move into automotive auctions. I, I saw that things were trending that way, uh, and that was going to be the future of how cars were sold. But the whole space in general, automotive auctions, what RM Sotheby's does, and a number of other auction houses does fascinates me. And so I really wanted to do that. But I also wanted to live in San Diego. I had been visiting San Diego for some time, and I had just fallen in love with it. As as you know, the weather here is spectacular, yeah, yeah. and it facilitates quite a lifestyle, and also has such it's such a hotbed for automotive enthusiasm. There's so many cool car events here because you can use cool, interesting cars all year long. So I had identified those two things, and so I told him that. I wanted to live in San Diego, and I wanted to work for an auction company. And at that stage, he was already thinking about cars and bids as an alternative to some other existing auction platforms that we could maybe do things better, um, do things more efficiently, just make it cleaner. And so he went home that day and told his wife that, I think I found somebody who can help us do this. And he was already working with his business partner, uh, Blake Machado, to help get the thing off the ground. And roughly six months later, uh, he called me when they had a working prototype and asked me if I still wanted to move to San Diego and uh, if I wanted to to do something. Uh, And I said, absolutely. When he told me the idea, uh, I just knew it was going to be a success because I knew he brought a unique audience of dedicated followers to a specific product. And that was unique because I knew other people were thinking of doing this, but they didn't have the audience behind it. And, and he really did. So when he approached me, I said, absolutely. And we had set a date, a launch date. It was, I believe, March 16th, 2020 was the date that we picked. Oh, something was happening in 2020 yeah, in March. What was that? Mm. Yeah. How, what was that little historical event? But, you know, obviously we, we didn't know what we were about to launch into. Um, so I had shipped my car, all of my clothes, like all my belongings out here. Luckily, I had friends who lived in San Diego, so I was sending it to, to them. And then the obvious happened. We just did not know what to do. We we're like, you know, is this going to Obviously, your mind starts to swirl. You're trying to launch a business during this huge pandemic. It was just we thought that it spelled disaster. But the idea was, you know what, we're going to take this time. We'll further stress test the site. We'll refine some processes. You know, we've, we've got some more time to play with now. And that's exactly what we did. We worked remotely. We realized very quickly that we could do that pretty easily, being to- totally digital. And so we got to refine the process even more. But at some point, we had to launch. You got to launch, yeah. Got to launch. So I actually bought another car. I had shipped my, it was my 2002 E39 M5, my, my, my pride and joy. I shipped that car out to San Diego, and then I bought another car. As car enthusiasts don't need much of an excuse to buy another car. A buddy of mine was selling his E36 M3. It was an M325. That's the two-door coupe with a five-speed manual. And so I bought that and loaded the rest of my stuff into it and drove across the country. And Mark, I, I can tell you, that car, my car had an aftermarket exhaust on it. It was, it was very high mileage. It was kind of tatty. So driving that car from Cleveland to San Diego is the equivalent of flying a Cessna to Australia. <laughs> it was just like a, it was like a washing machine. It was just, it was so loud and buzzy, but it was quite an experience, um, especially because the roads were totally open. So we were just going, 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 just focused on getting there. And eventually I did make it. I made it to San Diego. The, the car did great. And, you know, we were working outside at that point to stay socially distanced from one another on Doug's patio. And we just kept working through problems and, and getting ready to launch. We finally did in June of 2020. And our co-founder, Blake, who has worked with a number of startups, told us how special it was. The sheer amount of attention the site got. We still remove those results when we do any data analysis of things from our past because they were the numbers were just so crazy. 
the number the number of uh, numbers of users, the number of cars submitted. It, it was just insane. But that was how we started, and that was how I got here because I just mentioned offhand to my friend Doug that this is what I wanted to do, and um, it just you know it just our paths happened to line up perfectly. Well, a couple of cool golden nuggets you dropped there. One is share your ideas with others. Yes. You never know what that might lead to. But the other thing that's interesting here, starting it during the beginning of that horrible pandemic, uh, yeah, it set you guys in a position to almost flourish in a way because. Everybody was stuck at home. Everybody was online. The diversion, everyone wanted to get away from that, what was going on. So what do us car people do? We hunker down either in the garage or in front of a computer and we start looking at cars. <laughs> you know, That's exactly right. Well, little did we know we were also launching into one of the best historical periods of time to sell a pre-owned car. Like it was just, right. it was a series of events that we couldn't have planned for. And obviously COVID was an awful thing that nobody ever will ever want to go through again. No, let's but not do that again. It, we're done with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it was just, uh, it, 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 it turned out to work so much in our favor. You're absolutely right. And we just had no idea that that was what was going to happen. Well, uh, congratulations what you've done. And, you know, playing around on your site, it's very clean. It's very simple, easy to search, easy to play around with. Uh, the thing I noticed most playing around last night, yeah, I did it again this morning and this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> We've got you now. Yeah, your I know. It's terrible. You know, the variety <laughs> of cars that I see on here is pretty pretty cool because it's not just super high-end stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of things. You mentioned E36 M3 that you drove. I had two of those cars as daily drivers for a, a awesome. long time and then evolved into E46s, which I've still got my 05, which I bought new, which I, sh I should probably sell it right now because those things have become highly collectible. But every time I drive it, I go, why would I sell this? This thing is just so nice. You know, it's 18 years old, but it's got very low miles and uh, all the options, a uh, competition package as well. Oh. Mark, you got to keep this car. You I know. I'm like, tell you, you can't, you can't sell this thing. No, no, I, I need to hang on to it. But scrolling through here, I mean, some cool stuff. And I'm, uh, my listeners know I'm kind of in the market for another Porsche after selling my beloved Orange Crush uh, last summer. But I found something kind of funny: a '98 Diatsu Midget 2 Cargo that's painted like a cow. <laughs> now. For most of you listeners, go, what? What? Yeah, go check it out. Cars and Bids. Easy to find. Carsandbids.com. And yeah, a cow midget two cargo carrier. Yes. I mean, yeah. So everything. So I've had so much fun on your site, and I think it's really cool. And we could probably talk a lot about all the different things, but I want to I want to go back to you specifically here. I like to talk about what's called our driving inspirational people in your lives, very influential people. No doubt Doug and Blake have been extremely influential on what you're doing right now. The fact that you're a car guy and you found a way to wrap that into your passion, but is there somebody in your world that's been highly influential to you? Absolutely. Well, I, I can't underscore enough how Doug has been so influential to me, not only, you know, because I had known him as a friend for, for a while and I, I didn't really understand the level, his capability and just sheer capacity for hard work. He truly is the hardest working person I know. I, I don't know how he has time in the day to do what he does, but he is so efficient and just like he really understands developing a process and just refining, constant refinement. He's like the Porsche 911 of people in that regard. It just, it just refines and refines and refines. Um, and he's just so good at that. And he also just has the capability to manage so many different things going on in his life. While he launched a business, he and his wife were having their first child. We had COVID. He was still doing the YouTube thing. I mean, it was he was going to the East Coast for vacations when he could, when travel would allow. 
and like he was just doing all of this, and he just has this ability uh, that I don't think a lot of people realize when they look at him that he's like he is genuinely one of the hardest working. Uh, most inspirational people I've ever been around. You know, he may be just a silly guy with two t-shirts on who does <laughs> funny car videos, but he really has a, a capacity and appetite for work that uh, that I admire tremendously. In addition to him, so this is someone I, I found like truly inspirational is actually uh, my father. So my dad, uh, Ken Rolson, is a an IT director for Progressive Insurance. Um, and he is an incredible manager. And like learning from him and what, having you know, watched him for all of my life and how he uh, interacts with people and how he promotes uh, teamwork uh, and puts the needs of his business first and works selflessly, not selfishly, uh, is truly inspirational to me. And I've told that to him. I've mentioned that to him many times. Um, and anybody who's worked with my dad knows he's uh, he's a wonderful person to work with. So when I manage my own team, I try to take things that I've learned from him and lots of challenges I've seen him go through and try to incorporate what he's learned and what I've learned via osmosis uh, into the work that, that we do at Cars and Bids. Fortunate guy to have those kind of people in your life, for sure. Very. Yeah, very, very helpful. You know, with uh, being part of a startup, no doubt there are challenges, have been a lot of challenges. You talked about <laughs> the biggest one, starting a business during COVID and not really knowing what all the, they were changing the rules on us every day. But would you say oh, yeah. that was your biggest challenge to date when it talks, when you talk about your professional career? You know, uh, I see why you might think that it would be, but actually it really wasn't. You know, one of the things with startups, obviously when you go into it, everybody knows the, the statistics. Most of them fail and there's a, there's a high risk of them failing. And so you kind of bolster yourself for that. What you don't bolster yourself for is over success. Like you have so much <laughs> people want your product and yeah. the demand for it is so high. And in some ways, that's almost worse. If something isn't working, you can always change the marketing mix. You can change the product, whatever. Yeah. But when something is really successful and you can't necessarily get to everybody all at once, that's almost worse of a problem to have in some ways. It's a good problem, admittedly, but it is a problem nonetheless. And so scaling up really fast was something was a huge challenge and learning how to do that and also being thrust into it. I've been training to write these listings. I quickly became an, an editor and now I had to manage people and give feedback and train people yeah. while we were growing at this crazy speed. And I think the thing I learned from that and it's something I, I still you know struggle with and I'm still trying to learn more actively from is when you're a manager, you know, it's very difficult to let go of the process, especially when you helped build it from the beginning. Right. Your baby. It's my baby. Exactly. So to let go of that and trust other people with it, it was very difficult for me. But the key is, you know, A, at some point you have to do it. Like there's, there's just no way around it. In order for the business to grow, you have to do it. And I'm very lucky that the people that I surround myself with, all my editing team, and my writing team are all talented, intelligent people, and I can trust them to implement the changes that I want or you know, doing things the way that I, I view they should be done for the, the sake of representing cars. I can trust them to do that. And learning to, learning to do that was, was a challenge for me. But learning that process and then all that goes with it, hiring you know, what we're looking for when we're adding people to our team, you know, how we manage, how we train, how we teach, what, you know, how we address issues when they come up, all of that. Uh, was the biggest challenge I've ever had. I went to school for management, but getting to do it in a pressure cooker that is a uh, that is a startup was a huge challenge to me. Um, but I've learned so much. I tell people like if you if you want to get an MBA without actually going to school for an MBA, work at a startup. You will learn so much so fast, and that's uh, I think that has been the biggest challenge for me. But definitely the most rewarding uh, most rewarding challenge I've ever encountered. 
You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just watching a, a talk with uh, Elon Musk and he was saying, don't waste your time at school going to grad school. Start your own business. You'll learn so much more. <laughs> and he said, there's, there's truth to that. I'm a huge advocate for higher education, but even so, like to really get that experience. Yeah, it's uh, I would recommend anybody in business school, like between college, between undergrad and if you decide to get your MBA. Yeah, start, work, work for a really small company or a startup of some kind. And even if it fails, you get so much valuable experience out of that to take forward. Um, and you get to really be in the trenches and, and learn how it all works. That's just incredibly valuable. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was involved. Uh, well, I worked for over 20 years at Griot's Garage, a car care business. And we started down there in San Diego up in Vista. And yeah, uh, yeah when I started there, there was only like three people. It was Richard Griot, myself, and a lady who worked at the, on the phones and a kid that would stop by after school and pack the orders for that day. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, going through that growth of, of that company and having to wear all those hats. I always say that's why I have no hair left in my head, rubbed all the hair off my head, uh, but all the different things you have to learn. And the biggest one was letting go is developing a system into the business and then hiring people and saying, here it is, go do this. And you know, they're not going to do it exactly the way you would. Nobody really ever will. But if you created those systems procedures in a good way, then it could happen. So, and it begs me to ask you this question for the first time I used a chat, um, AI, uh, the mm -hmm. other day to do something. I hadn't used it yet. All these people talking, you got to do it. Have you guys integrated that into your business at all yet? Cause you talk about writing listing. Yes, we, we have not, we've certainly begun experimenting with it and that's no secret. I think everybody in the industry to some degree has, but I, you know, the thing about cars is it's such a nuanced topic that I think that the reality of it is, is we need humans like overseeing a lot of it. So it's like my, the need for writers is not going away. Uh, you know, these, these topics are incredibly complex and AI obviously is going to continue to improve. Um, you know, and we've seen, we've seen that between, you know, GPT 3.5 and 4. But even so, it's definitely not the end all be all. At the end of the day, we need stuff being checked by people who write. So obviously, it's going to transform a lot of different industries. And writing is one of those that's impacted by it. But it's definitely an exciting time to be involved with that, especially uh, as a business. I think it's a very exciting time. You know, when I go back to your site, I wanted to talk about, and there may be some things you can't share, but talk about bucket lists for what's happening with uh, cars and bids. Because when I go through your site, you've got some pretty cool ways you can break this whole thing down. Uh, how how listings are coming up, uh, lowest mileage, closest to me. I mean, all the things that you want to know about, depending on if you're looking for a collector car or just a driver. Do you see some things coming up in the future for what you're doing to expand and make your day even busier? Well, certainly, you know, we've rolled out a number of tools recently, in addition to selling cars, you know, connecting, you know, bidders and sellers, um, we've added a number of things to the platform to help make that even easier. And our goal is to we want to bring in stuff to make it easier, make it more transparent, you know, provide more trust, those sorts of things. So recently, we implemented inspections into the process from a company called Lemon Squad, where they'll come out to your car They'll give it an inspection. And it's not perfect, of course, but at least you've had somebody else, a third-party independent person, come out, look at the car. So if it's leaking tons of oil, something's not running right, whatever, you're going to know about that, which is, which is very helpful. And again, just helps provide some peace of mind. Uh, and so that's one of the big integrations we've done. We also have done work with shipping, so make it really easy to ship a car across the country because – I'm sure, like me, when you do car shopping, you look all over the place. If there's a specific car you want, 
specific color with a specific transmission, you know, you're probably not going to find that in your own hometown. Um, and so to make that process of shipping even easier, you know, we've integrated that as well. We have some other ideas that I can't necessarily discuss about stuff that's coming soon, but we, you know, we want to continue to expand and just, just make it easier. Our, the whole focus of cars and bids is simplicity in use, simplicity, and that's both for the seller and for the bidder, but also then for the post-sale stuff. Once you've bought the car, want that process to be easy so you can get out and enjoy the thing. For sure. Lemon Squad, there's a fam familiarity there. Edward Peterson, is that the same with he was involved in Wrench as well as a co-founder or is it? I believe that's right. I believe that's right. I'm not totally sure, but I believe that's correct. Absolutely. Know, know him well. So he's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah. So I want to talk about you again, special vehicle in your life. Is there one car? You've had some cool cars. You, it sounds like you and I align in some of our car tastes. I mean, the M5s, <laughs> holy cow, monster machine. Uh, yeah. But is there one car that stands out that really uh, makes your heart pitter-patter? <laughs> yes, yes, there is. There, and there's quite a story to it. Um, so in addition to my E39 M5, which is the only car I've ever owned that I will never sell, I also have a 1995 a Ferrari F355 Spider. That was on the lawn at the La Jolla Concours I was at last April. That's correct. That is right. You saw the car there at some stage. It, was, uh, it wasn't it was judged this year. I should have had it judged, but the car was there. And that was, uh, that was a surreal experience, having the car on the lawn there. Being a part of a Concours like that, and La Jolla Concours, for those who are unfamiliar, is a local Concours uh, here in La Jolla, California, that's held right on the ocean. I mean, it is right there, and it is a spectacular uh, just a really beautiful event, and the organizers do such a fantastic job, and it's growing year over year, um, and I absolutely love it. I love attending it, and now as a former exhibitor, uh, it was a lot of fun. really enjoyed it. Um, but my story with the 355 begins many years ago, about two decades ago. Uh, when I was a kid, a neighbor of mine, a friend of my dad's, bought his dream car, which was a 1998 uh, 355 F1 Spider, so it had the sequential manual gearbox, which at the time was very hot. You know, that's what everybody wanted. Yeah, F1 drivers. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wanted to be Michael Schumacher. Mm -hmm. You know, shifting gears in there, then <laughs> with the paddles, and that's what he really wanted too. So he had bought this car uh, in 2005 and uh, had brought it over to the house. Now I was a kid. I really didn't know anything about cars. I wasn't interested in cars at all. I loved mechanical things, trucks and trains and stuff like that, but cars were never really on my radar. And so I vividly remember it was, it was a Sunday evening in May and he pulls into the end of the driveway uh, and shows my parents the car and, you know, kind of talking about it. And then he looks at me and says, do you want to go for a ride? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, I've never been in this car. So I go to get in it. And I remember not knowing how to open the door. On the 355, you have to reach into the air intake, and yeah, that's where yeah. the door is. Yeah, that it. big indentation down the side of the car kind of exactly. hides it. Yeah. It's, which is so elegant. Of course, they put the door, the key, the ugly keyhole right on the door, but they hide the door handle. It's, it's just yeah. Italian lunacy. But yeah. but anyway, so I, I remember I, I got in the car, we backed out of the driveway, and drove through the neighborhood, and then we got to our main road uh, in front of our neighborhood, and he nailed it. And I just remember vividly the sound of that car, the smell, um, the just sure exotic experience and the sensation of speed. And I was just like blown away. As just a kid from Ohio, I was like, I was truly in awe of this machine. And I was like, just do it again. I, well, I want to experience yeah. that again. Yeah. And so he would, so we, you know, nailed it again. And I was just, I was just buzzing. I was just something, a, a switch had been flipped in my life at that stage. And he brought the car back home and I swear to God, Mark, I'm not making it up. I said to my mom, Ferrari, I'm going to have to remember that name. <laughs> and from that moment, 
I was hooked. Yeah. It was all cars all the time. So much so I actually bought tons of 118 scale models because I was a kid, obviously, you know, long way away from having the real thing. And I would bring them to school. I had a Ferrari Friday thing where I would wear my Ferrari polo and my Ferrari racing gear. And then I would have the 118 scale car on my desk and my friends would ask me about it. And I would, you know, encyclopedically tell them all the information about the car as most car enthusiasts like to do, just memorize all those stats and facts and figures. Yeah. It was just a thing. Everybody knew that Kenan loves Ferraris. But it wasn't just Ferraris, it was just cars in general I started to fall in love with, but Ferrari in particular. And so I, I set out that goal to own that car. That was my dream. I wanted a 355. Nice. And in November of the, of last year, I finally got to a position where I could afford that car uh, and I bought one. And it showed up and it was one of the most enjoyable moments of my life watching that car, you know, watching the truck show up and all of my friends were there and just lowering the car out of the truck and just like, I couldn't believe this is my car. My parents flew out from Ohio. Like it was a huge, huge wow. deal in my life. It was, a, it was a seminal moment for me to have that car. And it was just very gratifying um, to have finally done it. Uh, but, you know, I, I started to enjoy the car a lot. You know, I drove the car tons. Um, but being a 27-year-old Italian car... Even though mine had tons of service documentation and just had a recent major service where they pulled the engine out of the car sure. to change the timing belts, but also replace and repair anything that exhibits anywhere because it's staring at you in the face. It's right. The engine's out of the car. It's easy. Um, so I just had that done. Um, I had a PPI done by a very reputable Ferrari shop. I bought the car from Texas and I had that done out there. Um, but I ran into issues Within a couple of weeks of owning the car. <laughs> well, it's an old Ferrari. You're, it's an old Ferrari. You're going to yeah, have exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. But annoyingly, the first thing was that the exhaust was not reinstalled correctly on the car. So the cat there in, in great Ferrari design where the catalytic converters meet the heads, or the headers, there's there was a gap. And that hot air was blowing directly down onto one of the CV axles. And it just fried it. Fried it so yeah. I was out for a drive one day and a friend of mine uh, who was behind me in his uh, his Porsche Boxster Spider said just flew up next to me and was like it's on fire you're smoky there was smoke coming out of the back of it mm. and so I pulled over and grabbed the fire extinguisher which if you have a Ferrari you always carry one car, yeah <laughs> you always have one and this car is known for catching on fire um, so I get out of the car and open up the engine compartment and I'm ready to fight the blazes and I get in there and there's no actual fire. What had happened was the CV boot tore it, slung grease on the headers. So it was actually steam It was that was coming out of it, not, not smoke. So yeah. nonetheless, disheartening. But I, I had the car taken to a Ferrari specialist here in San Diego. They sorted it out, fixed a couple of other things while they were in there, and then I was off. Then the flywheel started to chatter. Oh, no. Then I had to go back to them. <laughs> Turned out the flywheel hadn't been installed correctly either, and it chewed through the clutch. So I needed to replace the clutch, throw up bearing, pilot bearing, all that. I'm like, great, what next? Then the car started ticking. One of the headers had developed a crack. It's a common problem on the 355. Although mine had been replaced with aftermarket units, they still cracked. So I had to have that fixed. Then the top didn't want to go up and down. And you can you can sort of see where I'm going with this, This is like owning a boat. <laughs> that, so the color of the car is Rosso Barchetta. And Barchetta means little boat yes. in Italian. And yes, it is like owning a boat. boat. Yep. Yeah. And it's just kind of been, you know, I've now got the car very sorted. And mechanically, it runs beautifully but every time i use it that is hanging over my head about what's gonna go wrong next um and as someone who comes from german cars like when german cars have their issues but when you sort them they're solid you can rely on them as you as you know with your cars like you can just rely on them and the 355 
is not necessarily that car. And so like, I feel that I've kind of come to the end of my run with my car and on July 27th, it'll actually be going live on cars and bids uh, because I've just, I've done, I've also done everything I wanted to do. Driven the car over 2000 miles since I got it, which is more than those cars see for people who own them for 10 years. But the point of this whole story, Mark, is that like I had this car that was a car that I had lusted after. When I was 10 years old, I thought that was the epitome of what a car could be. And then I bought it and I got to learn that, you know, no, it, it isn't, it has its flaws and it's not a perfect thing. And I've also, over time, kind of developed to love cars like my E39 M5 more. I like big GT cars that are highway bruisers. That's more of the kind of car I like. And, you know, as a 10-year-old, the 355 was the ultimate. But now my perspective, as I've aged, has changed. And so that's kind of my story with my 355. You know, and it's not sad for me, necessarily. The goal was to accomplish the dream. And I did that. And so now I I know what it's like. And I've made some wonderful memories with some great people. But at the end of the day, it's like, I think I'm ready to move on to something else. It may have turned me into a Porsche person, but we'll, we'll see. Some reliability would be nice, you know. Well, welcome to the club. Yeah, I have a longtime friend who, uh, same thing, he's a neurosurgeon, worked, put his kids to school, all this stuff, and finally could go buy a brand new Ferrari, which he always dreamt of. Uh, bought the 360 Modena. And, uh, you know, it was the basically almost a race car type street car and uh, had that for, I think, about a year and kind of went through the same gyrations. And he said, you know, this is like wanting to date a supermodel. <laughs> Everybody uses that example. Yeah, it sounds so good. And once you start going out with other things aren't quite what you thought they might be and eventually you kind of break up and he goes and then a year later he goes i think i want the supermodel back and then he went and bought another one and so yeah well that's yeah that's the thing i'm not sure you know i can see i can already see owning another 355 again maybe a later model they got there's some things with the later models made them a little bit more reliable my friend with that 1998 one that guy he's never had an issue with that car he's owned that car still has it since 2005 Wow. It's never caused them any issues, which is shocking. But I think the later cars got a little bit more reliable. They refined some things. But I could see owning it again, but it would have to be like a fourth car. As a second car, it's just it's too much stress. So uh, that's But that's been my, my ride with the F-350. Well, but it looks great and sounds amazing. Come join us in 911 World. You'll be a little <laughs> Looking at 997 turbos every day. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I saw a, a nice uh, a nice chalk-colored one on your site just this morning. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist. As you know, as a listener, uh, I've got a certificate hanging on the wall somewhere around here. I don't know. I made it up. Any <laughs> right if you were manifest as a car reincarnated what would you be and why it's a great question and i know we've talked a lot about it already but the car that i feel i would be is the e39 m5 you know that car suits me to a t as a pairing when i get out of that car people are like yeah that makes a lot of sense you know i tend to be um i love like subdued kind of relaxed i'm a relatively relaxed guy um but i like to have a good time too And the M5 is really subtly styled. It's kind of one of those cars that if you know, you know. And I I really like that about it. It's also just very cool. I think it probably is cooler than I am, to be honest with you. (laughs) But that car also, you can listen to classical music in it. You can then drive it to a racetrack, have a lot of fun with it, and then drive it home again listening to jazz or rock and roll or whatever. It's the duality of that car that I like. And although I'm very professional and you know mature and I love going to orchestra concerts and performing at Lincoln Center, I also like to kick back, have a beer and go hang out at La Jolla Shores like we're going to go do later. So like I like the duality of that. And I think that the E39 M5 and I just have a, a, a 
connection that kind of goes beyond like just it being a car. Like it just feels like an extension of me. Yeah, so nice. I remember the first time I went and drove uh, an M5 when they first came out, and I like a smaller car. And a mm-hmm. friend of mine was going to, ended up buying one actually. And I went, I'm not interested in a four door car. I, you know, my wife can have that. And, uh, because you got to <laughs> drive this thing. And I went and drove it and I just went, Oh my gosh, this is, like, <laughs> this is like so cool. But that led me to buying an E36 M3 and then E46 wow. M3. So yeah. So that um, was your, that was your Genesis. That was the catalyst for you with BMWs. It sounds like. I think so. Yeah. Because I wanted a car that I could go do track days on as well. So the E36 was mm. that I bought a set of extra wheels and slips. So I go do drivers. It was my my lead into racing because I wanted to race vintage cars, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I I wanted to make sure I was comfortable at speed on the track before I did that. So I did it in the E36, and then after you go to the track too many times and start beating up your street car, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you go, I think I need a proper race car. So that's what uh, evolved me into that. So very nice E39 M5. I like it. So how about what? great reading? Is there a great book you'd like to share with us? Absolutely. So um, I recently read uh, Michael J. Fox's autobiography, and I thought that was a really interesting one. I'm a huge fan of Michael J. Fox. I just went and saw um, at a local car collection uh, storage facility here in San Diego. They hosted a night where they helped watch back. They showed Back to the Future. And so I went to see that recently. So it was kind of all tied into that. But I've always been a huge fan of Michael J. Fox's, and obviously everybody knows about his struggles uh, with Parkinson's. Um, And the book was fascinating to me. Because it goes through, you know, he's also known for being such a positive guy in the face of such adversity. And what I found that was interesting is that what he breaks down about positivity is that it doesn't mean being blindly happy all the time. What it actually means is even in the face of adversity, you accept the situation for what it is. The situation can suck and you can be like, yeah, this sucks, but I'm going to try to make something productive out of it. And that's what he's done with his life since his diagnosis. And obviously, the, the, the Michael J. Fox Foundation has done so much um, you know, for, for researching Parkinson's. And I found that to be so inspiring and so interesting and so applicable in a lot of areas of life. You know, it, especially you know, with business, you know, sometimes you have rainy days where it's, it's hard and it's a slog to get through. But if you keep in mind that like, if you try to maintain that positive mindset, and it's, although it may seem cliche, it's true, that'll carry you a very long way. And I found that reading that book and hearing about his struggles and how he faced some of that stuff, even small things that would set him back, um, how he faced all of that and, you know, still to this day is, you know, maintains a very positive attitude is just incredibly inspiring to me. Yeah, I've not read the book, but I, I watched a documentary with him in it about his life and very inspiring guy for sure, what he's dealt with and having to deal with that terrible disease when he was young and having lived as long as he have it as it's progressed and as he works through it. Uh, yeah, must be amazing. I'll have to get my hands on the book as well. I highly recommend it. So let's go on the ultimate drive today. I'm a bit of an enabler, as you know. I like to uh, help people along with this disease that we call the car disease. (laughs) So if I buy you any car in the world, park it in your garage. So don't worry about the cost. I'm footing the bill. You can take it for a drive. And you can take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us. Opens up a world of opportunity. Sure does. What's the ultimate drive look like for a guy that's surrounded by a lot of cool cars? Well, that's a that's a great question. So I'm going to take that car and I'm going to ship it somewhere because cost no object. Since so I'm paying for it, why not? It's, it's, you know what? Thanks, Mark. Since you're, you're a very generous guy, you're, you're we're, we're going to go all the way. You buy me two beers tonight down on the beach. No problem. I got you. I got you. Um, so yeah. So for me, you know, it's the ultimate car, uh, and for me, that remains to say I worship at its altar. That's the McLaren F1. Uh, I've view that car as truly being the ultimate. And it's become 
a little bit of a cliche due to how like expensive they are. Um, but I truly appreciate the engineering of that car, and I always have. Uh, that BMW V12 as being a, a diehard BMW fan is an incredible engine, and just the sheer level of attention to detail. Now, granted, there are some parts in that car, as Doug is always very keen to point out, that were shared with other vehicles. Turn signals from the Lotus Land, a lot of BMW switch gear in that car, um, taillights that were also shared with a variety of lesser vehicles, we'll say. Um, but, you know, so it's got those things, but I don't view those as flaws at all, even though, yes, it's a 20-ish million dollar car now. Um, but the point of that car is just like, it's just so focused on what it was meant to be. It was designed to be the ultimate road car and driver's car in its era, and it achieved that. Uh, and it still, and it held that torch as being the fastest production car on the planet for a very long time. Uh, and so it deserves a lot of respect. So that's the car, um, and I just adore them. Uh, cool. The place we were going to go, we're going to go all the way to South Africa. We're going to go to Friendship Pass. Um, so uh, I love South Africa. I've been there only once before, but my friend um, took me in his E46 M3, and we did this road, and my God, it is special. Um, there's some amazing driving roads in South Africa, but Friendship Pass remains just the creme de la creme. Anybody who hasn't been there, just look up some driving videos of that or just some pictures and it will paint the picture. It, it, it's like it's like being in paradise. And there's a reason that a lot of manufacturers take a lot of press pictures in South Africa and Friendship Pass is a very special place. But the people I'd like in this car, and I've kind of cheated a little bit here because okay. it's a three-seater and not a two-seater. So I get, I can have two people in the car. Good job. Uh, so, so one person, um, if it could be someone... But I also, I kind of can't make up my mind who'd be in the driver's seat. So it's really between two people. If it's someone who's posthumous, um, so like just in, in this hypothetical situation, uh, for me, it would be Ayrton Senna. Uh, as a Formula One fan, uh, despite the um, um, my wall behind me, I have a picture of Michael Schumacher. I also have Ayrton Senna's racing helmet on my uh, on my TV stand next to me. Nice. And I worship at the altar of Senna. And just every time I watch back the videos, either from the, the film that was made about him, or just watching clips of him just doing qualifying. I, I, there was never a more pure racing driver, I don't think, than, than he was. And he drove in an era that was incredibly dangerous, where the cars made ludicrous power, um, but were so thin you could basically punch through them. And they had manual transmissions. And I think he just operates on a level, operated at a level that is just the definition of iconic. And so to have him at the wheel of a McLaren F1 to see what it could actually do, I think would be, would be quite the experience. Uh, but... If he were unavailable, uh, the other person I'd love to have would be the car's designer, Gordon Murray. As someone who really appreciates engineering, I'm a huge fan of Gordon Murray. Um, I'm very excited about the T50, the, the new fan car that's coming out, and all the work he's doing with Gordon Auto Automotive, Gordon Murray Automotive. And I think that uh, I think that having him like in the car talking through it more would be a hell of an experience. Yeah. I know he's a good driver too, but I think being in the car with him and discussing things mostly about like the ideas of singular vision um, where he sources creativity from and how he executes on that vision with his team, I think would be just fascinating. Uh, and then also how does he find people that align with his vision of what this car should be? Because his cars, I believe the best cars in history have all been people who have been made by people who had singular vision. And so finding engineers who share in that passion and a team of people who share in that to me it would be. I just want to know, like, how did that happen? Is, is it you know situations like mine where he knew people who wanted to work on this project? Did people approach him? You know, how, how did he find those people? I think that would be fascinating, both for that car, for the F1, and for you know his current company too. Because I'm just very curious about that. 
And then in the, the third seat, I would want um, my friend Adrian in this case, because he would lose his mind too, <laughs> being in South Africa. You know, his M3 was amazing having that experience, but having him there too. As someone who is also, he's the CTO for a tech company in uh, in Cape Town. So to have him there and sharing that experience um, would be, be incredible. So if I could have one truly insane uh, experience footed by you, Mark, uh, I, think that would, uh, I think that would be the one. I'm sorry. You know, I promise when the car comes back to the United States, I'll take you for a ride. Uh. You're no cheap date. That's for sure. So <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I was really fortunate to meet Gordon. I was uh, during Car Week last year. I was oh, at Bruce, Can- Bruce Canapa's shop in Scotts Valley, and he was taking Gordon on a tour and said he invited me to walk along with them. And I'm just sitting here like, you know, you're like vibrating like Gordon Murray. Oh, my gosh. And I'm still working. He said he would be a guest on Cars. Yeah, I'm still working on him. He's a very busy guy, and his his, uh, his assistant there is always saying, don't worry, Mark, we'll get him on. But uh, yeah, amazing time. And to get to just just chat with him and listen to his comments about the incredible cars that are Bruce Canapa's shop, of yes. course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was like being at a candy store with a candy expert, <laughs> the Willy Wonka of candies, you know. And Ayrton Center, you and I share that. I, I love Ayrton. Yeah, he was such an icon to watch. In fact, I've got uh, one of his quotes on the back of my business card. So uh, there you go. Yeah, great guy. You have taken us on a wonderful journey today. I knew you would. You and I could talk for hours about cars. Uh, We'll just have to continue that on the beach down at uh, the shores here. But before I let you go, could you share with us some parting words of wisdom or advice that might uh, be helpful to somebody out there? Certainly. I have have two. Um, So one was given to me by uh, a a coworker. Uh, We were going through a a very tough time um, at uh, my my previous job at an exotic car dealership. And and he told me, Kenan, you have to find comfort in the chaos. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes things just are chaotic. And, you know, having learned that through the startup life, I have found that. I have found I'm able to find comfort in just the craziness of it and kind of appreciate how crazy it is. Like you were talking about uh, at Creos Garage back in the day when it's just a couple of people, you know, and the, and the chaos that kind of ensues is kind of fun. And so appreciating that while it, while it lasts, of course, you know, things grow, time, you know, time takes its toll and things change. But I think finding comfort in the chaos is really a key to being successful. And obviously then it, that gives you the ability to look forward to where you're going. Uh, and the last one is a quote my mother came up with. Uh, it rhymes a little bit, but uh, she always told us since every day when you get on the school bus, and it's an adage I've, I've held near and dear to my heart, it's work hard, be polite, and everything will be all right. And it's just that belief of putting in the effort, being kind to other people, and just having a belief that all of that is going to lead you where you want to go. And that I've followed that my entire life. And uh, between those two mantras, I think that's a, a great recipe for some success. Absolutely. I love it. How can people learn more about cars and bids? Absolutely. Well, they can head to the website, of course, carsandbids.com. Um, they can register to bid if there's something that happens to take their fancy. They can also sell a car with us there. It's free to do so. Um, the winning bidder or the person who buys the car pays a 4.5% commission fee, but there's no cost to the seller. So if you want to sell something, it's a great place to do that. We make the process very easy. We even offer professional photography to come out and take pictures of your car, making it all very easy. Uh, they can also follow us on social media at Cars and Bids on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, ver- uh, various places, um, and YouTube as well. I've started making videos there for the channel specifically um, for cars that are, are for sale on Cars and Bids. So that's another place to follow us as well. 
Awesome. Easy to find listeners. I encourage you, if you haven't already found them, which you probably have, but if you haven't, you got to go play there. Uh, Pour yourself a big tall glass because you're going to be there for a while uh, having fun just like I am. And as soon as uh, uh, maybe tonight before I go to bed, I'll be back on it again uh, looking for something fun that'll (laughs) fill that hole that the void that's in my garage right now when uh, Orange Crush went away last year. But uh, Uh, Cars and Bids, that's the place to be. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Mayra at IBP Media for introducing me to Kenan. Mayra, thank you very much. You've done it again. Kenan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and your enthusiasm, which is never ending. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road or probably at Cars and Bids. Thanks, Mark. A true pleasure. You're welcome. If your car started today, well, thank a tech. If that truck delivering your goods today got to your home or your business, thank attack. If that airplane you rode in took off and landed safely, and if that boat you're riding in arrived at the dock safe and sound, that's right, thank attack. One thing the pandemic has taught us is that great techs keep America rolling. They are essential workers and we need them. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars Yeah charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.